This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. Today on the show, we welcome two food bloggers to the table to talk about how food connects people in today's world. We'll talk with food activist and writer Carlin Hicks, whose restaurant write-ups can be found on sipjackson.com. Also in studio with us, Lisa Bynum from thecookingbride.com. She's a freelance writer, photographer, and cook. This hour, we dive into the restaurants, dishes, and people that make Mississippi's food seem great. If you'd like to join the conversation this morning, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464, or you can email the show food at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Deborah. Hope that you had a good weekend. Good morning, Kevin. I had an absolutely fantastic weekend. I'm in love with the changes that's going on in the weather right now. It's cooling off a little bit. Um, on this week, I had a chance to actually go to a um, food expo that was hosted by uh, Cisco that was absolutely Fantastic, Kevin. I've never seen so much food and so many vendors in one event. And I uh, was really privileged to get an invitation to go. So I've had a great weekend. So uh, what sorts of things were at the Food Expo? If you name it, Kevin, it was there from the most wonderful meat products um, companies that we know. You know, some local companies like Pokes was there. Um, and then they actually had this huge roasted hog. So when you first walk in the venue, my face lit up like a little <laughs> kid. And so they, you know, were serving these amazing little bites. And then there was a company there that I was actually um, visiting with called Hope's Cookies. Uh, and it's a really beautiful story. She was a medical doctor or going to school to become a doctor, and she started baking cookies and decided she didn't want to go to medical school. Now she owns a $23 million cookie company, so that was pretty fantastic. But it was breads and cheeses and... I mean, you name it, it was there. It was I was like a kid in the candy <laughs> store. Um, so you brought in two uh, two nice things for us this morning. We're, we're, we're thinking fruit and uh, sweetness, so... Uh, Tell us first about the the cobbler. Well, Kevin, you know, fall is in the air, and it's a great time for your pies and your cobblers. And so I've been working on my crust, my homemade crust. And so it was a great opportunity for you guys to, you know, test and see how it was. But today I brought in a apple tart. And uh, these apples, I was so excited. They're gala apples grown right here in Mississippi, and they have no GMOs. I was so happy when I sliced the apples. You see the natural decay in some of these apples, and we really don't get to see that a lot anymore. I was just over the top excited about that. And uh, in this apple tart, there's a little bit of butterscotch and some coconut, and it's just absolutely fabulous. It's pretty to look at, but it's really yummy. And we have a uh, peach cobbler with a crumbled top that's uh, made with uh, three different varieties of peaches. And, of course, Georgia peaches are one of my favorites. But, yeah, just kind of spoiling you guys a little bit this morning. Very good. I thought the the uh, coconut in with the the uh, apple was good, uh, and it looked very attractive. You like the way that you did up the crust there, and the, 
the crumble top looks good on the cobbler as well. So it was interesting. It's hard to really tell what, what it was until you dug in there to find out. Good job, Kevin. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, you know, I was a little upset this morning because, uh, you know, you're my Monday morning man, and normally you're the first person in line. And I was like, wait a minute, who are all these people getting in front of Kevin? That was pretty hilarious. <laughs> and you were really sweet and patient, and you were looking like, if they don't move now. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> so when you go out to eat at a restaurant, do you like to um, stay safe and maybe pick something you, you maybe had before and know what it is, or do you like to be adventurous? Oh, Kevin, I'm definitely an adventurous girl. Uh, you know, it's it's really funny to me that most people by nature usually go to the same restaurant and eat the same thing every time. But, uh, you know, it's the more I get into this food journey, the more I want to learn and experience. And it's really amazing to me that people say, I don't like that. And I go, well, how do you know? Have you ever had? And they go, no, I just know I don't like it. And I, and that was probably my attitude very early on. But now it's kind of like I want to, you know, step out and try new things. It's the same thing with you with your food experience with Blue Apron. You get to, you know, learn new stuff and try new stuff and broaden your horizon. So, yeah, I'm the adventurous type, Kevin. <laughs> well, I mean, I would agree. Although to me, it is difficult if you if you go out to a place that you like and you have something that, you know, you've eaten before and, and enjoy it. It's sometimes a difficult choice of, you know, do you go with the something you know is good or do you, you, do you try something? new and as you mentioned that's one of the things i like about the the food service programs whatever you want to call them blue blue apron home chef home fresh there's a bunch of them but um, it gives you a chance to you know try something new if you don't like it it's two meals and you chalk that up to that's something i don't like but uh to me combining the idea of of improving your culinary skills the chopping and all that and then and trying new food I, i would uh, recommend anybody, um, you know, to try out one, pick out one that you like, look at them. As I said, there's probably a handful of them out there now. And, and most of them, I think, have some sort of try this for free, you know, for a weekend kind of thing. So um, if you're someone that likes to um, get in the kitchen and, 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 and work on your culinary skills, and if you're like Deborah and like to have some adventure when you eat, I think that's a good way to do it. As I say, the food is always shipped right there to you. The instructions are really good, and it's a great way to uh, – to put something, I you know, every time I posted something on um, Instagram, people would be like, wow, <laughs> you made that? Yes, so. Kevin is Instagram famous now. <laughs> Chef Kevin, fantastic. Um, what about this? So you, you like to cook. You're good at cooking. Um, when you are eating someone else's food, uh, do you maybe try to figure out what's in it? Think about maybe ways that you could ad- adapt it for your own kitchen. What do you do? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's um, I'm always very gracious, you know, so no matter whether I like the food or don't, uh, you know, I always try to remain very, very gracious because, you know, people have taken their time and energy to prepare something. Uh, But yes, when I sit down and eat something that's really fantastic in my brain and my senses get excited about it, Kevin, I'm going to go home and, you know, put my own kind of spin on it, add a little bit of honey love to it and come up with my own, you know, version of that. You know, and and with that being said, that was one of the things that I'm learning, you know, as I'm developing recipes, you know, about, the you know, copywriting and patenting recipes. It's almost impossible to do that because once you publish something and somebody takes it and then you, you know, they add their little spin on it, then it becomes, you know, pretty much their intellectual property so but yes when i'm out kevin i'm definitely doing that i want to taste it and you always learn something from place to place and i really like to find i love going by and visiting some of my older lady friends i have a few friends who are you know past 80 and they're still cooking and just sit down with them and eat foods and then i can go home and take those traditional values 
and just kind of give it a little spin. So, yeah. And I would certainly encourage if you're ever out eating and someone has uh, prepared something, uh, you know, even if it's something that you decide you don't like, uh, I think you could choke it down. We're all, uh, well, most of us are adults. I mean, you know, for a, a kid, don't like something, spit it out, whatever. Not, maybe not that dramatic, but that's fine. But I think as adults, we could uh, we can learn to eat something that we might not particularly like the best. And again, um, especially if you're eating in someone else's house or if someone else has prepared it for you, you know, it's it's uh, just respectful to them to to eat it. Don't ask for seconds, obviously, but don't, you know, make faces and push it around on your plate or whatever. I think it's easy to go ahead and eat something. <laughs> and that's why I also would, though, you know, if you're eating somewhere and it's something new, <laughs> take small portions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way you don't uh, get stuck maybe eating too much of something you don't particularly like. And if you need to send it back, especially if you're at a restaurant, Kevin, I, I think, you know, etiquette is always really, really important. I, you know, uh, the short term that I was at Bravo's and I got to experience, uh, you know, qu- quite a few things, you know, uh, People can sometimes be very irate, you know, when they've had an experience that they don't like. So if you're going to send it back to the kitchen, you know, just be really mindful that, you know, your server didn't cook it. You know, they delivered an order that you delivered. And kindness always tends to not only make your meal better, but the service in the day better for everybody else. Well, and also I think people fail to realize is that that's the server is going to be with you for the rest of the meal. So if you, you know, you're too rude, um, it's maybe not the best but it's sometimes human nature to give that back in kind so uh as you as i as someone who has worked in the food service industry when i was growing up um you know it is hard work uh, i don't think anybody intentionally ever miscooks food to send out to a customer because that's how they're getting their their payment but uh, just remember that uh, when you're uh, the customer and you're the person eating that uh, you know just be mindful of those that have uh, prepared the food and that uh, try to be kind um, and you know certainly if it's not cooked right to send it back or whatever and, and if you don't like it to make a complaint but try to be uh, civil about it uh, and I think that'll be work for everybody you know the other thing too is you mentioned uh, when you're trying something new or trying a dish someone else had uh, I always like that because I enjoy that with your food is to See if you can, you know, taste the different things. Like I immediately tasted the coconut uh, in the apple. I, I like coconut, and again, that was sort of a different sort of texture and flavor in there. So uh, it's kind of fun sometimes when you're tasting something new to see if you can s- figure out what's in it. You know, for me, the combination of the apple and the butterscotch and the coconut, and if you want to, you can add a little bit of chopped pecans on top. It makes for a perfect holiday pie. It's really simple. You know, it's it's quick and easy to make, but it, the pre- Presentation is beautiful, but it just tastes like the holidays when you taste it. And actually, Kevin, there's a um, homemade caramel uh, bourbon sauce, you know, that I use to kind of glaze that out. That's absolutely fantastic for the holidays. So you can scoop it with your favorite ice cream or a little whipped cream and, you know, drizzle a little bourbon sauce on it. I mean, just fantastic. And that's, uh, I think, a, a fun idea for the holidays is to take something uh, that's traditional, an apple pie, and kind of give it a new spin, add some different flavors, maybe prepare it in a different way, and people, I think, will appreciate that. Uh, We need to take a quick break. When we get back, we will invite our two guests into the conversation, two food bloggers visiting with us this morning. We'll visit with Carlin Hicks and Lisa Bynum. That's coming up next on Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 
You're listening to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email food at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. Today we've got uh, two food bloggers on the program. We're going to visit with them and talk about how food connects people in today's world. So in the studio with us is food activist and writer Carlin Hicks, whose restaurant write-ups can be found on sipjackson.com. Also with us is Lisa Bynum from thecookingbride.com. She's a freelance writer, photographer, and cook. So we're going to be talking throughout the hour about restaurants, dishes, and people that make the Mississippi food scene great. So ladies, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Uh, Carlin, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about uh, your background and, and how you got involved with uh, with food blogging. So professionally, I'm a lawyer, um, but my favorite hobby is eating. And um, <laughs> so let's just be very candid and honest there. Um, but I am a lifelong resident of Jackson. I am a supporter and proponent of all things Jackson. And um, this kind of the Jackson Foodies and Sip Jackson was born out of this movement, so to speak, of uh, bringing people together from various different backgrounds to share over the commonality that is food, because food is such a connector of people. Absolutely. And also uh, a way for folks to participate. Um, you know, one of the things about it is we're all going to eat. Whether we eat at home or we eat at a restaurant, we're all going to eat. And so if we can come together and eat and discuss matters that uh, relate to us as Jacksonians or as Mississippians, why not do that over great food? And so it was kind of a two-part thing. Um, of course, I love great food. I love to support Jackson. But it was at a time where we saw a lot of businesses and restaurants leaving the city. Uh, and there were questions as to whether or not they were leaving because of crime, whether they were leaving because uh, of growth into other areas, or whether or not there was not a sustained customer base in the food industry in Jackson, which we all know is not the truth. It couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, I think Jackson has a lot of locally owned restaurants, and we have a really good market for that here. Um, but it was simply a matter of people just not knowing what was out there. And so we started the foodie group to kind of educate people as to the types of restaurants that are out there. And what we were able to see is that people who may not have gone to a West Jackson or a North Jackson or a South Jackson to dine learned about different restaurants and in different areas in Jackson. And so it's been a really great experience. It's fun. Uh, folks have gone to different places, to mom-and-pop type restaurants and uh, gone to other staples in our city they didn't even know anything about. Uh, and so, you know, it's helped our economy because you don't have to go to chains during lunch. You don't have to go to chains during dinner. You can go to locally owned restaurants and support uh, the economy here locally in Jackson and surrounding counties. And that's the thing um, that I love so much about food. It truly is bipartisan, and right. it has a way of bringing together uh, ideals and cultures and values mm -hmm. in such a yummy way. And that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, MPB being here has just been so amazing because we get to meet so many beautiful people. And I'm hanging out with a bunch of girls today. Yes. <laughs> we can girl power. And we all love to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's pretty exciting. But to be able to be part of foodie groups like that is just absolutely fantastic. Fantastic, because you learn so much and you get to see things that you didn't, like you said, right under your nose and you didn't know it was there. Right. So, uh, sipjackson.com, what sort of content would someone find there? It's restaurant reviews, but I imagine it's more than just that. So, Sip Jackson is kind of um, 
the web-based eye into the culinary world that is Jackson. Uh, you're going to find content from a lot of the heavy hitters who contribute to the food and culinary scene in Jackson. Uh, you're going to have features on chefs. You're going to have features on restaurants. You're going to have what I provide as content, uh, full reviews. Now, one of the things about what I bring to SIP Jackson, the, the blog, is a full experience of a review. Uh, before I got into doing content writing for uh, Sip Jackson, I really wanted to research it and make sure that I was giving readers and uh, others a true experience. So I wanted it to feel as though that person sat at that table with me and dined with me in that restaurant and not just simply, oh, I like the food, let me rate it and let me go home. Because I think the trend over the last maybe 10 years in food journalism has been, you know, let's rate top 10 in your state, top 10 in your city, mm -hmm. top 10 for wings, top 10 for steaks. But nobody really goes through the experience of dining at that restaurant or that uh, that's that, that place for the fullness of that experience. And so that's what I bring to Sip Jackson is from start to finish, when I walk in the door, what's the atmosphere? Uh, you know, was I greeted? Were, you know, was I greeted? You know. It, what type of restaurant is it? Is it a counter service only? Um, do we have a diverse menu offering? What is it that we have here? And that person who's reading it can really feel, and I hope they can, I've been told they can, can really feel <laughs> like they are dining with me from start to finish. And I think that gives the fullness of a review for a restaurant because it's not just about how good the food tastes, right? Uh, some people go to restaurants because of a multitude of different reasons, and food may be complementary to the reason why they're there. Uh, so I want to touch on every little thing that could bring a person to a specific restaurant. Um, and you will always find, uh, you know, the, the most recent things happening in the culinary scene on the blog. So if there's a chef that received an award or uh, there was a feature restaurant or if they did get a ratings listing, uh, you'll see that information on the blog as well. We hope that the blog has turned into and will continue to become the one-stop shop for all things culinary in Jackson. That's the hope, is that it's the culinary destination for anyone who's interested in um, the best places to eat, you know, maybe not the best, but great places to eat or uh, good catering, all of that information can be found in one place. Right now, it's kind of in a hodgepodge of all different places. Mm -hmm. uh, the good thing about it is that we rely on individuals from all of those other hodgepodges, and so... <laughs> You have content writing contributors from E. Jackson. You've got content writing contributors from the Jackson Foodies. You've got content writing contributors from, um, you know, our local press. And so it's all a good marriage of people bringing us out of our food silos and putting us in one good place together. One of the things that you said, you, you talked about the top 10. And, and um, for me, sometimes the, uh, the reason so many restaurants are hidden is because they don't have the exposure of good food blogging and food writers yes. to expose them. They're hidden jewels. And so once people find them, then they become a part of that genre of the top you know, best right. restaurants in cities. So those kinds of blogs are just absolutely important. And that's one of the things about the Jackson Foodie Group, because we recognize that, you know, mom and pop stores don't have a, a, a budget for advertising. And so they just can't pay money to be featured on things. And so they have an opportunity to come to the Foodie Group. They can advertise their dishes or their specials for the day, uh, and they can really feel the effect of the Foodie Group. And so it kind of equalizes the playing field for everybody in Jackson. Also in studio with us today is Lisa Bynum of thecookingbride.com. Lisa, thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. Tell us a bit about uh, your background. 
Well, I started cooking out of necessity. I was a new college graduate, and I realized that if I didn't learn how to cook, I was going to be eating a lot of hamburger helper, (laughs) and that just was not a very appealing option to me. So uh, my grandmother uh, is a wonderful cook, and she kind of took me under her wing and taught me some of the dishes that she likes to make and kind of um, nurture that. My dad is also growing up. He was a very... um, he liked to try new dishes, and sometimes they were great, and sometimes they weren't. But that was kind of the appeal. That's how you learn is by trying new things and making mistakes. Um, so that is how I got into cooking. Um, when I started my blog, I was a, a relative newlywed. I'd probably been married for a couple of years, and I realized that a lot of the people that were kind of in the same boat I was, newlyweds or getting married, a lot of them did not know how to cook for themselves. And that just shocked me, I guess, because I just, I mean, everybody has to eat. I mean, you would think somebody in the relationship needs to know how to cook. So that's kind of how I started the blog was to kind of share some of the recipes that um, I was cooking a lot, maybe to inspire um, somebody else to get in the kitchen and start cooking. And uh, I started the blog, I believe it's been eight years ago. And Mm -hmm. Um, it's evolved. When I started, I was a newlywed, and now we've thrown two kids into the mix. So obviously the (laughs) recipes have changed from back in the days when I had time to cook to now I have to get something on the table in five minutes. So the recipes have evolved as my life has changed. So tell us how they've changed, though. I mean, you know, like a newlywed, was it the candles on the table and the flowers? And I took a lot more time in preparing the meals when I was a newlywed because we'd come home from work and it was just my husband and myself. And we it was I had more time to put more thought into um, what we were cooking and take more preparation. And, and now it's. Um, my life is crazy with two kids and we've got homework and bath time and bedtime. So now it's become more like, what can I get on the table in 30 minutes that is reasonably healthy um, that my kids will eat, basically. <laughs> Crockpots are your friends. They are, yes. <laughs> Crockpots are amazing. <laughs> so I love the idea that, you know, the blog is called Cooking Bride. Yes. So how many women have signed up that were single saying, you know, I want to become a bride, teach me how to cook? Most of my readers are women. And a lot of most of them, I would say, are in the same boat I am. They're married with kids. Fantastic. So um, mostly recipes. So what, what other kind of content is on your blog? It's mostly recipes. I do have a few restaurant reviews. But usually when I do a restaurant review, um, I heard you talking earlier about when you're eating somebody else's food. Do you try to figure out what's in it? So there are several recipes on the blog that are copycats of a restaurant dish that I had that I enjoyed. And I went home and tried to figure out how to recreate it myself. And that's so important because, you know, like when you take a restaurant, you go to a restaurant and you've got your family, it's a family of four, mm-hmm. you could easily walk out with a tab um, upwards 80 to mm-hmm. 100 bucks when you can go home and recreate those same dishes for half the cost. Mm-hmm. And the kids can go back to seconds without any you know, problems at all. So a question for both of you. Um, If a newcomer comes to Jackson or uh, Lisa, are you, are you from Jackson? Not originally. I'm not, I've lived here about eight years. Okay. But you live here now. Yes. Okay. All right. So got a friend coming from out of town, but need a great place to go. We'll open it up central Mississippi, not just Jackson. Uh, Carlin, what would your suggestion be? 
Oh, boy, that's hard. So we talked a little bit about this. Um, I have several favorites. I have to separate them by type of cuisine. Um, so I would first ask them, you know, what are you looking for? Do you want Mediterranean? Do you want traditional American grill? And then we can go from there about where I would recommend they go. Um, because Jackson has so many wonderful places to eat. Um, and we're very fortunate that we can literally separate it out by genres, essentially. You know, if you say, hey, I want, um, you know, just something really, really tasty, American, traditional, I would definitely send them to lose full serve. Uh, it's one of my personal favorites. It's right next to my house. I don't ever have to worry about cooking anything fabulous because I just go to Louis LaRose and he does it for me. Um, but, you know, if they were looking for something different, I would just have to figure out what type of food they're looking for, because I can almost recommend any type of restaurant in Jackson for the type of food that they're looking for. Lisa? It's funny, Carlin, you probably, do your friends text you and, and call you a lot to ask you All for, the yes, I get the, the I get the same thing, and I would probably do the same thing. I would ask them, what, what kind of food are you in the mood for? Um, is there anything in specific that you maybe can't eat? Um, I actually... More than a favorite restaurant, I have favorite dishes. I usually go to those restaurants for those yes. particular dishes. All right. Uh, that's like uh, the equivalent of someone who works on radio and they come up and say, do your radio voice for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin, you have an absolutely amazing radio voice. And I'm glad you said that because uh, our friend uh, Greg Doolin is still sharing your, the commercial that you did for him with his uh, family there in California. And he, everybody says, oh, my God, his voice is so amazing. So... Uh, we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we will continue our discussion. We're visiting today with two food bloggers, Carlin Hicks and uh, and Lisa Bynum. Uh, so call in if you have a question about uh, writing for about food or if you want to maybe share some food experiences with us that you've had recently. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 We'll be back with more after this. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. We're visiting today on the program with two food bloggers. We have Carlin Hicks, whose restaurant write-ups can be found on SipJackson.com. Also with us is Lisa Bynum from TheCookingBride.com. She's a freelance writer, photographer, and cook. Uh, so we've been talking about the work that these ladies do. Uh, if you'd like to join in the conversation uh, and have a question about the life of a food writer, give us a call. Or as I mentioned, if you have a recent uh, food experience you'd like to share with us, maybe you've uh, discovered a new dish uh, that you fix for friends and family or you've been out to a new place. Uh, and have enjoyed the meal. Give us a call if you'd like to join in today at one eight seven seven MPB ring. Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to food at mpbonline.org. Carlin, tell us about Feed Jackson 2017. Wonderful. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so Feed Jackson 2017 is a continuation of something that was born out of uh, the need to provide some type of a service activity to the Jackson foodies. Of course, we would congregate and get together uh, for First Fridays and just kind of meet 
different people, new people in the, in the group. Uh, but since that time, we've almost doubled in size. And so now the Jackson Foodies is over 10,000 people. It's just improbable for us to think about doing a meetup of any kind. Um, and so at the end of September of last year, uh, we were planning to do type of, some type of an anniversary event. We wanted to commemorate the fact that the Jackson Foodies had turned a year old and there were some people who said, oh, we should have a party and we should utilize our relationships with the restaurant owners that we've built over the last year to, you know, have a really nice party with some great food. And that just didn't sit well with me too much. I got together with a couple of other foodies and I said, I think we should do something that has a little more impact. Um, We love food. We love dining experiences, which make us feel good. And... um, I thought, why not bring that same dignified dining experience to those who may be food insecure? So we started last year and we did it and we did a full blown, I mean, dining four course meal, five star experience. I had three or four chefs top chefs in Jackson uh, coming together at 5.30 in the morning to make this thing happen. And so it went off without a hitch. Everything was beautiful. After that, I met with a couple of our patrons or our customers, um, and they said, this was really, really good. But, you know, maybe next year we could do something that uh, like a um, Super Bowl party or, you know, a festival or something that was a little more family oriented. And I started thinking about, well, what are some ways that we can incorporate food and a dignified dining experience, which will invite or have an inviting atmosphere for those who are food insecure? So this year we're planning to do a food festival for the food insecure and the homeless, because, of course, every Friday throughout the summer through the fall, the city of Jackson does the the um, food truck Fridays, but it's at Smith Park. And we all know that Smith Park is a place where those who are homeless and food insecure will congregate because that's pretty much a a well-known drop-off location for a lot of different folks who bring dishes uh, from caterings and things like that. Why not bring that experience to those individuals who are homeless and who are food insecure? It's not a place where you're going to be run off. It's not a place where you're going to be told get away, but it's actually going to be for them. And so this year is a complete different spin from last year. It's still dining with dignity. It's still feet Jackson, but it's going to be responsive to what they've said they want to experience this year, which is, you know, a soul food type festival, a food truck type festival. And so we're looking forward to bringing some food trucks in, stew pot, and letting them order what they want off the food truck, going inside for indoor dining, maybe doing some outdoor dining if they want. Uh, but they'll have the choice of being able to choose and select the dishes that they want. And I think that that will continue the restoration of dignity for them uh, as they dine some very very delicious food and so food insecurity it might be you might have a place to live but due to circumstances you you might not know where your next meal is coming from so last year we served over 200 people Um, some of those folks were elderly people from the community who they just don't cook every day some of those were uh, women and children from the shelters Uh, some of them had you know, they they were fleeing domestic violence type situations or evictions. You, you just did not know what to expect last year. It wasn't just the guy who sits on the corner and asks for $2 to get something to eat. Um, and that was a very eye-opening experience for our foodie volunteers last year because I think a lot of them went into it expecting a certain type of customer. Um, but when we saw women and children and when we saw the lady from the church and, you know, the elderly lady you might have seen at the dollar store two weeks ago, it put into perspective for a lot of us 
who actually goes through food insecurity. Uh, because we did it so close to Thanksgiving at that time, and it was toward the end of the month, those who have fixed incomes, we found that they came and participated as well because by the end of the month, their, their fixed income is so limited that toward the end of the month, they don't have any more uh, residual income to spend on food. And so they came as well. You, you never know uh, who might be going through something, or who, who's experiencing food insecurity. And so we could not just put a, a one-size-fit-all pitch to who would show up. Um, we're not doing it again this year. Whoever shows up, that's who we'll serve. And we'll serve them with love and kindness and compassion, and we'll eat with them, too. All right. That was one of the things um, that we actually um, had a show a couple of weeks ago when we had Andy Lemon here, and um, he works with the Society of St. Andrews, and that's part of what they do. And one of the things that I have definitely learned is, you know, a lot of times we think hungry, and we do think homeless, and we have this very vague idea of what that looks like, but a lot of times it's the, actually the working class that, you know, you've got a mortgage, you got a car payment, you got kids, you, you know, and you got insurances, and by the time you get to time to eat, then you find yourself in the market because the grocery store is very expensive now. You know, I, I, there are things I bake a lot, and if you've ever used Crisco now, you know it's almost $7 for just a little container. So when you go to the grocery store now, it's difficult. So food, it, it's really about Jackson, about Mississippi, taking care of you know each other and going mm -hmm. back to that whole idea of really being a hospitality state and loving your neighbor. Yeah. It's an amazing thing to As do. As Mississippians, that's one thing we know how to do. We know how to take care of each other. I don't care about what people say about our state. Mississippians know how to take care of each other. We are known as the biggest givers in the entire nation. And yeah. so, you know, I love when we talk about loving on each other here because that's what the world needs to know about who we are here as Mississippians. Mm -hmm. We really do. And especially when it comes to food. Yeah. It's just come on over and have a seat. That's you know? right. You're hungry, we're going to be here. <laughs> Uh, we've got Bob on the line from South Mississippi. Bob, thanks for calling in this morning. Hey, good morning, thanks, Bob. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm enjoying the show. I, I live uh, a part of time in New Orleans and belong to a group there that celebrates food on a weekly basis. And I was thinking of uh, you know the way you, your guests are explaining, sharing the joy of food. We do it with food and drink in New Orleans, as you know. And we belong to an outfit called the Grand and Secret Order of the Obituary Cocktail. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we gather every Friday at 6 p.m. Our chairman picks out, uh, Arlene picks out a different establishment, restaurant, bars, and we gather and celebrate. That didn't appear in the obituary column that week. So, <laughs> We, and and there's it's a group of as many as 400 people, so right. it's a formidable uh, economic force for a new restaurant to introduce their services to and their food and such. Uh, but, of course, only maybe 10 or 20 percent of us would show up on any given Friday. But uh, Jackson is, like New Orleans, uh, a special food town. It, it's got a little something for everybody, and uh, there's always places opening and closing. We have 1,400 active restaurants in New Orleans currently operating. Wow. And that's twice as many as we had before Katrina. Wow. And yet we haven't grown in population. Uh, well, we haven't doubled our size in New Orleans. We haven't uh, uh, seen a significant increase in tourism, although it's growing. Uh, so the restaurant folks there 
have to work extra hard to make sure you're happy and you'll talk about them and send people back uh, that have never been there to uh, uh, enjoy the experience. By the way, there's nothing grand or secret about our organization. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have any dues or even any rules that really count. And many Mississippians, uh, I've noted, uh, belong to our group. They, They come down for the weekend in New Orleans. We invite everybody to do that. There is a website if anybody wants to check it out and let us know you want to show up for an event, and uh, we'd be happy to have you. All right, and the website is? Uh, The Grand and Secret Order of the Obituary Cocktail. I don't know how anybody would ever forget that. <laughs> All right, Bob, good call. Thanks, uh, thanks for that. That's interesting. That's you know, that's something you could do on a small scale as a group of friends. You know, the whole idea of the, of the dinner party, maybe uh, to a group of friends going out and experiencing the different types of things, uh, restaurants in the Jackson area, and it might be well, you know, not only in Jackson, wherever you happen to be, uh, but uh, you know, again, I would encourage you if you're in that kind of group and you've got some friends uh, that are adventuresome when it comes to food, is to try new places. Don't be afraid to go to a place that no one's ever been to, maybe a cuisine that no one's ever tried before, and see if you can expand your your food, uh, your taste buds a little bit. One of the things that I love that Bob said was um, he talked about how they would visit different restaurants in order to help boost the economy of that restaurant. It's the old rent party idea, Kevin, where when we were growing up, you know, if your neighbor had an issue with rent, you threw a black party and you cook and people paid to come. They'd leave a love offering for that neighbor. And so to be able to do that for business especially businesses in Jackson, would be absolutely fantastic. So, uh, Lisa, I think that we mentioned you're a, a freelance photographer. How uh, important do you think having uh, photographs on, on a food blog is? Do you have a lot on your food blog? Every single post has a photo on it. Mm-hmm. I think that's. I think people eat with their eyes first, and they are more likely to click over to a website that has beautiful photographs versus just copy in a recipe mm-hmm. uh, when how do you decide uh, what kind of recipes you feature on your blog some of them are recipes that i've come up with myself or some of them are actually family recipes that um either from my side of the family um i kind of have two different areas of the country that i'm pulling from my mom and dad both grew up outside of chicago and of course that cuisine up there is a lot different than Southern cuisine down here. And my husband's family is from the South. So they have exposed me to a lot of Southern cooking. And so some of the recipes that I have on the blog are just some recipes that I grew up eating and some recipes that he grew up eating. All right. Uh, We need to take one final break. When we get back, we will continue talking with our two food bloggers this morning. We're visiting with Carlin Hicks and Lisa Bynum. This is Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. When we get back, we'll delve into pumpkin spice. Back with more after this. you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Welcome back. You're listening to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. 
Today on the show, we're visiting with two food bloggers. We're talking with Carlin Hicks, whose restaurant write-ups can be found on sipjackson.com. Also with us in studio, Lisa Bynum of thecookingbride.com. So we've been talking about uh, working as a food writer or working in the food business, I guess you could say, but also uh, just talking general about uh, food here in Mississippi. So as I mentioned uh, before the break, you know, fall is here and pretty soon everything's going to have pumpkin spice uh, in it, pumpkin spice flavored, pumpkin spice this, pumpkin spice that. Um, Lisa, is that really a thing? It, I, uh, unfortunately, yes. It's, an, it's a necessary evil. Um, yeah, at this time of year, you're kind of expected to have pumpkin recipes. If you're a food blogger, you're expected to have pumpkin recipes. That is what people are looking for. And actually, um, people are actually searching for them two and three months in advance, believe it or not. In July, people are searching for pumpkin recipes. So, yes, it is a necessary evil. Which is really interesting, Kevin, because most people don't realize that pumpkin spice literally doesn't have any pumpkin in it. it is, right. It's mm-hmm. a really a combination of other spices from your allspices, your nutmegs, your cinnamons are all you know blended together to create this really yummy idea. But pumpkins can be fantastic from cheesecakes to breads to pies. I mean, it's just absolutely I wonderful. have a chili uh, recipe that I make that has oh, pumpkin oh, wow. in it. And it's fantastic. Savory. Yes, it's fantastic. Now, I'm going to tell you, one of my favorite hummus recipes is a pumpkin hummus, believe it or not. And they take chickpeas and blend it with pumpkin and some allspice, and it is really, really good. So and that's the thing, you know, about pumpkin. Usually um, most Northerners are, you know, are pumpkin fans. You know, Southerners are potato pie mm-hmm. kind yes. of fans. But they really both carry some tremendously delicious weight. You know, I love them both. And especially, my, I'm a sweet girl. So if you give me some pumpkin cheesecake with a nice uh, pecan crust on the bottom, I'm a happy girl. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Lisa, you mentioned that the idea of you know people kind of expecting that in, in your blogs and that sort of thing. So, <clears throat> say for Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving, do you try to give them something that maybe would be cutting edge, something different, or do you go with the traditional things, or do you maybe try to mix it up to keep everybody happy? I try to mix it up. Um, like I said, a lot of my readers are um, working moms with kids. So they're usually if they're getting on they're they're on Pinterest or something and they're looking for some kind of easy recipe that they can throw together. But at the same time, um, I like to try new things. I like to to get my creative juices flowing. So sometimes I'll come up with some kind of a recipe that's maybe not traditional that um, mixes up different ingredients and um, just give them something different. So what is your favorite go to recipe? I actually made it this weekend. I made chicken and dumplings, and it's oh, wow. my um, my husband's grandmother. She is going to be 102 years old in November. Wow. And when we were dating, um, she's one of those ladies that she invites you to your house, and you better come hungry, because if you don't eat, she's going to be offended. She's going to be mad. <laughs> and so the first time that I ever he ever took me, when we were still dating, he took me to her house to meet her. And, of course, she had this whole spread on her kitchen counter. And she had the most fantastic chicken and dumplings. They brought back childhood memories of this lady that used to keep me when I was a little kid. (laughs) And so I told her, I said, you have to teach me how to make these. And so she did. I went over to her house one day, and she kind of sat there and 
and gave orders and taught me how to, to make these. Of course, there was no recipe. It was just kind of a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Yeah, so I was trying to mentally remember everything that I did and went back and, and recreated the, the recipe. But that's probably when the weather starts getting cooler. That's one of my favorite recipes to make. The thing that I love about, you know, the older cooks is that they did. They wanted you to come to the house hungry, and it was these huge spreads of food. Now when you go visit your friends, they're giving you these little bitty petite plates of hope you leave <laughs> So you mentioned that you have two boys, um, and uh, kids are sometimes notoriously known to be picky eaters. Mm -hmm. Uh, For other moms out there, uh, do you have any tips as to way to prevent the picky eater from developing? Don't start it to begin with. Um, My boys know that whatever I cook for dinner, that's what you're having for dinner. I don't. I'm not a short order cook. That's what I tell them. This is not the Holiday Inn. This is what you're having for dinner. And if you don't eat it, you're going to go hungry. Um, if you're already in that boat, usually, you know, my kids, they, they are, I mean, you know, they're kids. So there's things that they're not going to want to eat. They don't want to eat stuff that's green. Um, I usually just say, just try a bite. And sometimes they're actually surprised. My seven-year-old will sit down and say, I don't like this. This looks gross. This has got something green in it. We'll just try it. Take a bite. And sometimes he will have to admit, okay, well, maybe this wasn't so bad. This was maybe, (laughs) this is actually good, mom. So that's not just a seven-year-old. That's a 27-year-old, a 37-year-old, a 57-year-old. People sometimes just are afraid to try yes. new bites. And, and I, you know, but there are some children that really do have some food uh, issues in terms mm-hmm. of allergies and that kind of thing. And so, you know, moms really do have to kind of mm-hmm. be careful not just to say, just eat it because I said so. Right. Because sometimes that could create some mm-hmm. problems. But when I was growing up, it's just like with your kids. If I didn't eat it. It was just going to be tough cookies, mm-hmm. honey. Just, yeah. What, what, what is your favorite chef of all, Carla? My favorite chef. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Deborah Hunter. I'm in the hottest seat right now. Okay. So um, my favorite chef would be Nick Wallace. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Nick can take anything mm-hmm. and turning turn it into something simply amazing uh doesn't matter i, I kind of think of him as like the i don't know what is it called the 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 ready the cooking cooking show Iron uh, Iron Iron yeah like you can just give him anything and he'll just turn it into something just simply amazing so he would be my favorite chef so so this is when i have some bragging rights hey cousin hey nick wallace hey. <laughs> You'll see him in Southern Living pretty soon. Absolutely, absolutely. He's one incredible chef. Yes. One of my favorites, absolutely. Uh, Joe is on the line, called in from Walnut Grove this morning. Good morning, Joe. Hey, Joe. Good morning. Good morning. It's not Walnut Grove. It's just Walnut. All right. My bad. Uh, Sorry. I have a a suggestion for a better pecan pie. I mean, better uh, pumpkin pie. Okay. The only thing you have to do is just substitute butternut squash for pumpkin. Oh. Uh That's an interesting idea. And Joe, what uh, do you think? It's a richer flavor. What? Why do you like the it, 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 pumpkin? Just has a little tang to it that some people don't particularly care for. Mm-hmm. And but the uh, it tastes enough like pumpkin that most people won't won't maybe not realize it's not pumpkin, but it looks like pumpkin pie, and you got the pumpkin pie spices in there. So, but it's just a little better, uh, milder pie than uh, pumpkin pie. All right. Thanks for calling in, Joe. That's a good suggestion, and it's all, uh, I don't think uh, good cooks are above sort of tricking their uh, people into uh, eating some things that uh, they might not have tried uh, before, but uh, that, that's a good thought. There's like, sure, it's pumpkin, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Might have a little more nutritional value, too, with butternut squash. So. 
So, Carl, I'm almost out of time, but I think if I'm reading my notes correctly, that you were on uh, the MPB TV cooking show, Fit to Eat. Is that right? Yes. With Tell us, Chef uh, what, Rob Stenson. What was that oh, like? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So that was an amazing experience. Um, we got to talk a lot off air about food and uh, cooking at home and what that looks like. And we talked a lot about the foodie group and what we've been able to do in Jackson to move the food uh, service industry and the culinary industry in Jackson. Uh, he wants me to come down to the Gulf Coast and do the same. Um, but there is a Gulf Coast foodies, just so everybody knows. There is a Facebook group for that. Uh, but it was a really, really good experience. I, I was a little nervous about the different combinations that we were doing. Um, we were doing kind of a one-pot dish with um, apple and pork loin and um, coconut and chili peppers. And so it was all just kind of making me a little <laughs> nervous. But, you know, I'm a foodie who will eat anything. And so actually, when I when I tasted it, my own air response was not canned. It was legitimate. <laughs> uh, and I was telling Lisa that it was so spicy. And he gave me the choice to kind of put how much spice I shouldn't have gone all the way. It was so spicy that we did radio right after and I had like three cups of water <laughs> lined up. But it was really, really good. And it's something that I, I plan to try, not with the spice, but I, I love one-dish meals, especially being the mother of a five-year-old. I just don't have time to do those elaborate meals. Right. I can, but mm. I just don't. It's just easier for me to go somewhere and eat them at a restaurant. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's going to wrap us up. Again, a reminder, uh, you can read Carlin Hicks' uh, things at sipjackson.com, and also Lisa Bynum's uh, food blog is called thecookingbride.com. So thank you both for being with us. a great show this morning. Thank you thank for you. having us. Thanks. Deep Top Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded by generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. So for Deborah Hunter, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. We'll be back next Monday at 9 for another Deep South Dining, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.